Blog Talk Radio. on the way to my taking a little bit of a hiatus. I had announced just a week or two ago on the show that I was going to, um, you know, not do it every week, that we were going to sort of backtrack, uh, back off a little bit and do it when we had more interesting things to discuss. Not that we don't have things to discuss every week, but sometimes, you know, when you're at a point where uh, the plots of the various shows are sort of maybe treading water or nothing really interesting is happening and there's no big breaking news. It can feel as if we talk about the same things every week. So I thought, you know, we'd make it a little more interesting by giving us a couple weeks in between episodes so that we'd have more to talk about. Then Friday, I get in my car and I'm driving. Well, okay, I'm not driving. I don't drive. But uh, I'm in the car with Charlie and Gary and we're driving upstate and we're singing along the songs on the radio uh, and we're heading toward the site where we do our filming for our movies. And I get a text from my news editor saying that Ron Carlovati, uh, they had just announced, General Hospital had just announced that uh, he was being replaced by Shelley Altman and Jean Passanante. And my first thought was, well, crap, now I have to do a podcast on Monday. Um, that's a little self-centered of me. I shouldn't say that. That wasn't my very first thought. I, uh, I actually texted Ron uh, just to make sure, you know, that he was okay. Um, I like Ron. Um, you guys know, you follow me on Twitter, so or at least most of you do. Uh, you can find me at Soaps and Depth ABC or Soaps and Depth CBS or How Rude Are You or all my other accounts. And if you watch when I'm live tweeting General Hospital every day, one of the things I really enjoyed has been um, Ron will often chime in. Um, sometimes I'll sometimes to tell me that I'm completely wrong about something. Sometimes to just sort of playfully snark back. Um, I have. Been, I, I interview Ron every couple of weeks for our cover story, so I have a, a really good relationship with Ron, and I really, really, really like him. Um, that said, you know, he knows uh, as well as you do that I didn't love everything. Um, I think it's really hard to find a soap where you love everything. Um, you guys know I'm really big on the Bold and Beautiful right now. I don't love everything they're doing. There have been uh, uh, things that I consider missteps. But as I always say, I think soap writing is the hardest job in the world because your job is literally to make the entire audience happy. And uh, uh, it's impossible, you know? Even look at the news of Ron's um, being let go. Half of my timeline was sort of saying, you know, sorry to see him go, but it's but it might be good for the show. The other half was saying that it was the biggest mistake ABC could possibly make. I think it's really important to credit both Ron and uh, Ron Carlovati and Frank Valentini with the fact that um, had they not come on board, I am not sure that we would have General Hospital right now. I think that they truly were the people who got that show back on track. 
um, you know, they, they did a lot of great things for that show and managed to uh, keep it off the chopping block. But I do think that over the last year or so, um, there have been some misfires, some missteps. I mean, again, this is, you know, this is my opinion and what I think. I have never written a head soap. I don't know what it entails. I don't know how difficult it is, although I do, <laughs> I do, well, I shouldn't say I don't know how difficult it is. I know that it's a very difficult thing to do. I have never done it, however. Um, and one of the things that everybody should keep in mind, and I try and keep in mind as well, is that sometimes things that appear on our screen that we don't necessarily like, they weren't even from the head writer. You know, the network has its notes and, and the sponsors might have their notes. And, you know, so many things are put into the mix that we are completely unaware of. That said, you know, um, I've had some of the problems that I've had for a while with General Hospital. And they go, they're not all the same. They don't all come up at the same time. But, for example, I think the show went through a period where it was introducing characters who were, to me, very um, – sort of caricatures you know Sabrina was introduced as sort of this Disney princess and she eventually morphed into a very interesting character and I really like her with uh, Michael right now but when she was introduced I just didn't know what to make of her other than you know this 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 caricature same thing with Kathleen Gotti's Obrecht very caricaturist they they have fleshed her out over time and we've gotten to know more of her and more sides of her than just that we've gotten to see her as a caring mother we've gotten to see her as a hospital administrator but um, she's also sort of at heart a caricature and I'm I'm not I, I I don't know I'm a big believer that a little bit of camp a little bit of caricature goes a very long way um, one of the other problems that I've had, especially over the last couple months, has been just sort of the endless exposition. Um, you know, there's, there's, I'm a big believer that if they bring back the uh, previously on at the beginning of an episode, you can cut way down on the exposition. I also think that the problem with exposition, as I've said before, is you're training the audience not to watch every day because they know they don't have to. If you uh, if, if you are every single day going to explain to them, sometimes two or three times a day, or you're going to flash back every, every couple scenes to something they just saw, then they know they don't have to worry about missing things. They can take a week vacation and come back, and the old stereotype of you can miss a week and nothing changes may not have proven true, but, but what will have proven true is that you can miss a week and they will catch you up. So you know, to me, I think it's really important to instill that feeling of you must watch every day. Uh, the whenever there's a change like this, whenever a, a head writer is let go and new people are brought in, the first thing that everybody does is start sort of throwing out their ideas of how they would change a show, what they would do, what stories they would introduce. And, and I thought it might be fun to talk about some of that tonight. So I'm going to kick off the show with what I call solving the Liz problem. I I totally loved Liz finding out and deciding not to tell uh, that Jake is Jason. I am also, I am not one of those people who thinks that a story has been dragged out too long if it goes on for a year or two or three. I'm, I'm old school. I'm from the days when, when stories, you know, if the longer you could keep the audience on the edge of its seat waiting, as long as you were playing beats in that story, which I feel like this story has done, uh, um, then, then hell, stretch it out for as long as you can. But, um, but I do think that, that part of this problem for me has been that Liz, you know, who 
Liz has her Liz has people who love her, Liz has people who hate her, but for me it creates a little bit of a problem in how do you sort of bounce back from this. And here's my story for the Liz story. I, I've told in the past my story for what I'd love to see happen with Sonny. I've told that one several times about how I would get him out of the mob, but for me, what I would love to do if I was taking over is I would do a week long, you know, a week long big event, you know, the kind of thing they used to do uh, a lot of, you know, sometimes maybe even try and get an episode in primetime or get a two hour primetime movie, uh, you know, on Sunday night ABC, um, uh, the Sunday night ABC movie, like they did when they launched Loving, uh, if you remember, that was originally launched as a primetime movie. And during the course of this week, we would be building toward an event, and that event would be a hospital fundraiser. Uh, and during the course of this week, we would take care of three things. So everybody's all dressed up. You know, you love when a good soap party. We would be telling the audience that we are getting back to the – we are remembering that the hospital is the center of this show by having an event that takes place at the hospital, involves hospital fundraising, and involves a big change uh, – uh, and, and, and you reveal that there's going to be a big reveal as to a return at the end of the week. Uh, at the party, the the truth comes out. And I think that for the truth about Jake to come out, I think part of the story should be that Liz is the one to tell him. Not because she realizes the truth is going to come out, not because uh, you know she's sort of forced into telling the truth, but because she has this moment of clarity and says, you know what, I can't do this. I can't lie like this for the rest of my life. I am going to tell Jake the truth. And uh, for for whatever reason, it ends up happening at the hospital. Carly overhears. Carly, in front of the entire hospital uh, that has gathered for this fundraiser, as is Carly's way, Carly rips into Liz, just rips her up one side and down the other. And at first, Liz stands there and Liz takes it, thinking, you know what? I've sort of maybe possibly kind of earned this. And then in just what would be just an epic moment, Liz turns around, looks at the audience assembled, and Liz begins reading them for filth. She's like, you know, you want to take, you want to take me to task for this lie? Let's talk about what every single person in this room has done. And she just reads them up one side and down the other. And it's just this epic, glorious moment where, where Liz sort of stands by the very through line that started this story, which was Liz saying, you know, to, uh, to Nicholas, Am I doing anything worse than anybody in this town has done? No, I'm going to keep this secret. I'm going to do this thing to make myself happy. And she stands there and she reads them all for filth, kicks the whole thing off. And then at the end of the week, we reveal that Obrecht has been uh, taken out of control of the hospital. I, that always sort of annoyed me that she wound up in control of the hospital. And instead, the, the person who has been put in charge of the hospital is Jeff Weber. And, of course, Jeff Weber walks in to this mess that, you know, his daughter has just turned the entire party into. So that's sort of my um, – and then from there we move forward. And what I would love to see happen is um, Liz, you know, even after reading everybody for Phil, you know, some people in town are still going to sort of look at her as a pariah. And she goes to Nick and she says, you know what? I want to be powerful. I want I want to be able to sort of rule over this town in the ways that, you know, I'm tired of being the poor little nurse. Marry me, let's, you know, and, and, and they get married and they sort of form this power couple who doesn't give a crap what other people think. And they, you know, we spin forward from there. It's sort of, um, they sort of did something like that with Adam and Skye on The Young and the Restless when Skye married Adam because she, she wanted to be, a somebody. She wanted to be, uh, you know, a power player in Genoa City, but they never really followed through on that. They never really played it. So that would be my story 
for Liz. Um, there are some rules that I would implement, um, one of them being no more Back from the Dead. I, I am so tired of Back from the Dead. That's, that's you know, what should have, what, what, what in the past had been sort of a, we tried it out on occasion, has become so commonplace that it's hard for, to have these conversations on the show where someone, you know, people can't be surprised anymore when someone comes back from the dead because everyone on the show has come back from the dead. So that's, that's one of my rules. Um, I'm actually just finishing up. A lot of you know I'm just finishing up right, uh, my next book. And in that book, um, I actually sort of have a character. It, the, the book is set at a fictional soap, and I have a character who sort of goes through and makes her a list of rules of things that will no longer happen. But we have a lot of people online who want to discuss this. Um, tonight, I am going to try and keep this to General Hospital, um, uh, you know, so so hopefully all of my callers on the line are, uh, are ready to talk some GH. Let's take the first caller on the line who was on the line even before uh, the show started. We had a couple people who were lining up early to get in. 843, you're on the air. Hi, it's Denise from South Carolina. Hey, Denise from South Carolina. How are you? I'm good. I know this was a general hospital. As soon as I read the title, I figured it was going to be all about general hospitals, but since I haven't been able to talk to anybody about the bold and beautiful, I was kind of hoping if you make an exception this once. We have to make it really quick because i got a lot of people on the line who want to talk to you, so uh, okay. we can make it quick. Okay, the thing I since I don't have a long spiel, the question the my question is, how long do you think it is before the whole truth comes out what stuff what Steffi actually did to Allie and do you think that Thorne is gonna be as forgiving with Steffi as he was with Taylor? Because I think the way they're playing it out they're making her seem so guilty of something that she's not really guilty of. So I was wondering how long are they gonna drag this out before everybody knows what exactly Happen the truth because it seems like Steffi's blacking it out. I think so. it's going to have I think it's going to have less to do with the truth than it is Steffi's guilt and Steffi's guilty feelings over. Um, no matter how this all went down, I think Steffi is going to feel guilty about that. As for Thorn, I don't see Thorn sticking around long. I think Thorn will probably pack his bags and go back to Paris. I'd be surprised if he's still around next week. Um, I I don't think that this story is necessarily going to be about. Um, you know, like like right now they're playing sort of Alley. Uh, uh, I mean, Ivy trying to say that Steffi killed uh, uh, Allie. I, I don't think that's going to be a huge point. I think that'll go on for you know maybe a little while, but I don't think it's going to go on long. I think I think we'll fairly soon uh, move past that. And the interesting thing will be how this impacts um, Rick and I mean uh, how it impacts the people who are alive and feeling guilty about what they may or may not have done in the course of, um, of the weeks leading up to, you know, people saw that, that Allie was losing her, her crap. I mean, she was having meltdowns in meetings and, you know, and, 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 and as Rick and Maya said, they pretty much were awful to her. So there are people who, who have got to, in the wake of this, feel responsible and feel guilty. And I think we'll focus more on that than we will, you know, it's not like it's going to be like a murder mystery or anything like that with, uh, at least that's, that's how I imagine it. And because I thought because when he said Thorne's going to stay around a while, I thought maybe like a few months. Because it seems like he, the basis of his coming back was just about Allie. That's about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him sticking around too long. Um, I think, I think it will be sort of a very short-term visit. Um, listen, call back next week and we'll talk, or next time, and we'll talk more about Bold and Beautiful. But I need to move down here and try and take some of these folks who wanted to call about GH six one three. You're on the air. Uh, hey, this is uh, David from Canada. Hey, David from Canada. How are you? I'm good, you? Uh, I'm trying to stay warm very, down there. Very, very good. 
Oh, it's hot. It's hot. It's very hot. <laughs> yeah, same here too. So, what do you got for uh, me tonight? So about GH. Um, what happened with what happened with the Luke tribute today? It kind of was like I was kind of accept I was kind of ex- expecting to see more from it, and and all we got was was people nobody really cares about instead of really focusing on on maybe maybe Luke maybe they should have done like I a have featured say, episode I have to say I don't remember the last time I saw so many people so disappointed in an episode here's you know the the problem for me was well there were a couple problems I agree it was not a good send off episode and I almost feel as if they looked at it and said, you know what, we've spent the last, like, ten weeks saying goodbye to this character. We've had, you know, special moments with Lucky and with, with Ethan and with Holly and, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, and, 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 and that's fine. I have no problem with that. Here's where my problem with it was. If you are going to advertise the crap out of this, and they did, as be there yeah, for Luke's final moment, that means... And then we get your, this... Well, what you're hoping, when you do that, when you advertise like that, what yeah. you are hoping for is you are hoping that you're going to get a lot of um, either people who have not watched the show in a while or people who maybe have not seen the show but they've heard of Luke or whatever. And you, you're, you're, going to, you're hoping you're going to get this big bump of people tuning in. And, and when you do, in my eyes, this is the perfect opportunity. You need to hook these people. Give them something special. Give them not only, yes, you know, you want to give them the big, you want the montages and, you know, you want to leave people crying by the end of that episode. But at the same time, you want to have one or two big plot moments that they're going to come back for tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And we really didn't get that. And I truly believe that what happened here was Someone sat down and said, you know, listen, they're going to be advertising this, and, you know, we've pretty much shot our Luke Wad, as the case may be, so we should use, knowing that we're going to get a bunch of people tuning in, let's get them, let's let's mentor them. And mentoring is when you basically, um, you have an audience in front of you that you know is there, and you want to use the, you want to use the time you have this audience's eyeballs to sort of introduce them to other things. And instead of using the history of the show, instead of using, um, you know, characters that people who would be tuning in to see Luke would like to see, they trotted out all the newbies. They trotted out, you know, Kiki. They trotted out Dylan. They trotted out uh, Nina. And, 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 and this is not what people want to see. Now, there was some good stuff there. I thought the Madeline, I thought the Madeline Maxie stuff was really fun. Uh, but then again, they tried it even there. They they tried it in Valerie to insert her into this. And if I'm a long time, if I'm a lapsed viewer, or if I'm someone who tuned in just for, and I tuned in, I'm like, who are these people, and why am I getting no Luke, and yet I'm getting all these people who I don't know? It just it just for me seemed like such a huge huge wasted missed opportunity, and it and was, I I don't understand yeah. that. It was like it was like the classic. Uh, uh, the bait and switch. You advertise yeah, something, and then so. and and then after that, you bring on something else. And then the fans feel cheated, and they feel like, what is it that we just watched? Wasn't this supposed to be about Luke? Yeah, and that and that is the reaction that I saw all over Twitter. I mean, it was just, you know, our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I got personal messages from people. Just, you know, why? Why would they do this? And like I said, yeah. I get that they might feel like they already had all the important scenes, saying, but. 
I don't remember the last time a major character left a soap. Heck, yeah. look at Allie over on The Bold and the Beautiful, who was killed off last that, she was on for like you know a year and a half. And we I got would, montages, and we were weeping, and I we was got sort flashbacks. Of, I was sort of, sort of just, just going to bring that up in a way that I thought that montage, something like that, G8 should have done with Luke showing flashbacks of maybe a time when Luke was marrying Laura and stuff like that, kind of showing his history, kind of showing classic scenes with Luke. Like instead of instead of instead of instead of instead of what we got. Yeah, I, I think it should have been an entire hour of of Luke centric yeah. stuff. And, and you know, this is now again. This is to be fair. This is one of those situations that would fall under a no win situation because let's put it this way: had they done an entire hour of Luke centric stuff with flashbacks and him saying goodbye to people. You would have had a million people on Twitter having the exact opposite reaction. They all would have been like, oh, haven't we had enough of Luke? Do we have to sit through a whole hour of his goodbye? It really, this goes back to what I was saying before, that being a soap head writer is the hardest job in the world because you can't make everyone happy. And, I, you know, while we're on this topic, I just want to bring something up. I want to thank um, – I want to thank the folks who spend a lot of time on our Soaps in Depth timeline because um, when when the stuff was was coming out about Ron, um, yes, there were a few people who were really you know kind of nasty, but for the most part, people were really I loved their attitude. Even if they thought this was a good thing for the show, they weren't like ah oh, he sucks, get him out of there. They were like you know he's done a lot of good things. I really appreciate him, and you know maybe this is best for the show. Maybe it's time for the show to move forward. But they were really respectful, and I appreciate that. You know, you see so much on Twitter, even today. Um, Emmy Ryland announced that, who plays Lulu on GH, announced that she was taking a break from Twitter um, because, you know, there's just a lot of nasty. Ron um, sort of went silent on Twitter after the Tony Geary. He really hasn't been around since Tony Geary, Geary did that awful, burnt, scorched earth interview with TV Guide. Um, because he just, you know, he, he just, he knew there was nothing he could do. He comes on and no matter what he says, he's going to be attacked. And, and so he went silent and, and I don't blame him for that. There are times when, I mean, my job involves being on Twitter and there are times when I'm just like, Oh my God, I just want to get out of here for, you know, I just want to, I just want to not do this for a week. And when that happens, uh, I want to personally, I'm doing it in September. Uh, personally, <laughs> if, uh, personally, if Ron was, if, if Ron was going to be let go, Frank probably should have gone with him too. That's just. I don't know that I agree with that um, because well, there's a difference. Frank and Ron a, both run the show, and the, and they're yes, both but, the cause of the ratings going between, down, aren't they? No, I I can't sign off on that, and here's why. Um, the the head writer is responsible basically for the storylines of the show. And yes, he gets feedback from other people, including the ABC executives, including including Frank, people like that. But but you know Frank's job is much more hands on in production. Um, you know he's on the set every day. He's bringing the show in under budget. Um, if Frank were not there. I don't. I, that show definitely would not be on the air because one of the reasons he was brought over was that he is so good at bringing shows in under budget, and in this fiscally challenging time, that is wildly important. So, you know, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know that I. I, I don't. I, I've seen that before. I've seen people saying, "Well, why is why is one going and not the other?" And, you know, um, I I don't know that I would want that big a change at the same time. I think I think I need somebody there. Who sort of you know can has some familiarity with what's going on? Yeah. 
when I've been back, when the rates would be good. Um, you know, and maybe that's something they've thought about. I don't know. Uh, we're not privy. You know, obviously none of us are privy. Well, no, I know. What I know. What went on behind the scenes? But, um, you know, you know, bad bad stories happen under every uh, everyone. You know, um, yeah. it's but but in the end, I think if 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 you look at stories and you say that stories are the main reason that people watch or don't watch a show, then I think I think whether it's just a scapegoat thing or whether it's true. You know, the first person you're going to look at is going to be the head writer on any show. That's why when ratings go down on the show, it's the head writer who gets gets the axe because it's sort of whether it's whether it's valid or not. I think there is a an, an attitude of the buck stops here. You know, I don't know whether it should or not. That's a debate for another time. But yeah. I think that's yeah, for sure. the reality of the situation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thanks for calling. Our next caller, we're moving on down the list here. Our next caller is 515. You're on the air. Hey, Richard. This is Jen. Hey, Jen. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very good. So what are your thoughts on all this? Um, You know, I have to say I've really, really liked what Ron um, changed the show into after, you know, Goose and Wolf. I think he brought a lot of fun to the show. And so I'm thankful for that. And I... I really loved a lot of the stories he did, like Halloween, the Water Crisis, um, that really nice Thanksgiving episode that was a goodbye to John Engel and stuff like that. This last uh, year, though, <laughs> has been really bad. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I wish Ryan well, but I kind of think this, this change was definitely needed. Um, there was mention earlier in the chat room of like how like the Nina and Wick story is just not good, and that makes me, you know, I really like both those actors and characters, and I'm watching this story, and I'm like, this is really bad. <laughs> and well, so I, I feel like it's an, I feel like that story in particular is an example of something that happens on soaps, um, and it happens on all soaps, and I hate it whenever it happens on soaps, and it's an example of. Um, we have these characters, we need a story for them, and we create a story that doesn't necessarily feel organic to those characters. From the beginning, it's made no sense to me. Like, I don't, I don't understand why Rick is doing this. I mean, when did Rick become poor enough that he has to do this, you know? Um, Rick right. has, has, you know, why is Rick spending time doing this? and not bonding with the daughter who he had to leave for dead for six months. You know, what? this this whole story exists in sort of a weird vacuum. You know, it's it just it, it just feels like what it is. It feels like, you know, a plot point. It feels like, oh, I'm going to marry her, and then I'm going to drive her crazy so that her mother and I can get the money. Uh, and and I, I'm just not a fan of that kind of thing. I like stories that sort of feel like they're part of a canvas, that they come from characters, that they're well-motivated, like I don't get, I get why Matt, I get why Nina would marry Rick because Nina was very insecure and she was trying to like say to, and she was trying to prove to Frank, prove a point to Franco, and she got caught up in this whole thing. But Nina is a woman who, you know, we've seen is desperately, desperately, desperately in need of love. She is clearly not getting that from from Rick. There is no romance in this relationship. There is no sex in this relationship. Um, you know, and so why would she, like today, she's putting all of her trust in Rick instead of her brother who has always been there for her. It just, it just doesn't make sense. The other, the other problem that I'm, that I'm having right now is stories and characters disappearing for ages. You know, um, you know, 
I, I'm not particularly enjoying Days of Our Lives right now. I'm very much looking forward to um, the, the reboot. I'm very excited about what I think, it, you know, from everything I hear, what's coming down the pike about Days. But one thing that's true of Days is that characters don't disappear. You know, like, you, you see all of your main players and all of your stories, you know, all week. Um, they might be off for a day or two, but they're not off for weeks. Whereas, you know, Brad and Lucas just completely fell off the charts for weeks and weeks until it was time to reveal that he had this secret and, you know, talk about their wedding. And then they came back all of a sudden for a, for a day. And then I, and that happens a lot on GH where, where stories just get dropped by the wayside. It's hard to invest in, for example, I love the Jake story. I love but but the problem with it is we're playing Jake, Liz, and even Jake, Sam, but we're not playing Sam Patrick. And so in order for this story to work for me, to resonate for me when the big reveal comes out, I need to be invested in Sam and Patrick. And they're barely on screen. You know, like, like she went right. to the hospital the other day and caught up with him and gossiped with him. But there's no – I have no investment in Sam and Patrick because we hardly ever see them. We don't see them – as a couple, we don't see them getting to be a couple. We don't see them, and that's something the show really has not done well: is play beats of. They tell us that people are in love. They tell us that somebody is a couple, but they don't necessarily show us the process of them falling in love, or them going on dates, or them getting to know each other. And so, if if Jake were to find out that he's Jason tomorrow and say to Sam, "I want you back." As far as I can tell, Sam would be like, oh, cool. I'm not really into this Patrick dude all that much. You know, let me run back to you. Whereas if you, whereas if you play Sam and Patrick as an actual couple and invest me in them before you do the reveal, then I've got – there's some drama. I actually care about, you know, will Sam and Patrick, will Sam and Patrick stay together? Might, you know, is, right now there's no reason for her to stay. And that's, that's, that's you know, sort of one of the big things is – I feel like the show skips the beats in order to get to the plot points that it wants to hit. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that's, I'm hoping that's something that maybe the new writers are a little bit better at doing is kind of tightening up stuff and playing more of those beats and less of those plots because it's just plot. Well, I'll tell you that. Gene Fascinante and Shelley Altman <laughs> were writing, they were writing at YNR before Chuck Pratt came on. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting time for YNR because I feel like they struggled with long-term story. They didn't really have, you know, big stories percolating or anything. But they played great beats. They played romance well. Like, they played everything really well. The only problem was all of the stories were treading water. You know, nothing was really happening. So I'm, I'm hoping that what we see now is a melding of these two things. We see, we see them bringing in, you know, playing the beats and playing couples and playing emotions and giving us things to actually sink our teeth into emotionally. And at the same time, we see them sort of calm the plots down but move them forward. You know, um, you, you know, I, I, I'd like to see about 50% less plot on the show. I feel like there are 10 billion characters, all of them with their own plot. I'd like something that sort of brings all of that together. That's why I like the, that's why I like the idea of sort of refocusing on the hospital because that is supposed to be the heart and soul of the show. The show is called General Hospital. And so let's use that. You can use that to introduce short-term characters. You don't, every character that's introduced on the soap doesn't need to stick around for the rest of their lives. You know, you can introduce characters who um, 
no matter how popular they become, you're done with them in six months um, or or a year or whatever. They come on, they serve their purpose, and they leave. You know, my my one of my all time favorite soaps, as pe- most people know, was The Edge of Night, and it was great at that. It brought in short term troublemakers, had them make their trouble, and then wrote them off. They went to jail or were or were murdered, uh, and. You know, you've got a hospital setting. It's easy to bring in somebody and tell a six-month arc with them, uh, a patient. You know, that's what the show was originally. Originally, when the show started, um, you know, they they would use the hospital as a way to introduce new characters. And sometimes those characters stayed and became part of the canvas. And sometimes they, once their story was done, they left. Yeah, I'm I'm babbling. But I'm very, you know, I, I get very excited at the prospect of what could be. Um, for me, when you bring in somebody new, there's always the potential for, you know, for so much awesome. You know, you always think you, you, you hear and you, they, you, you read the interviews that, that new, new writers do when they come onto a show. Whenever any writer comes onto a show, they do these interviews and they say all the right things. And you're like, okay, it's going to be different this time. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And I'm right now, you know, kind of hoping that, that, that maybe, maybe, maybe they'll they'll meld what is working with the show and there's a lot of stuff that works on this show right now with the and and fix the things that aren't um, before I go I just wanted to kind of share one of my ideas I think for for what I'm, I'd like Great. to see happen um because I know you have a lot of other callers waiting too but um I'd like to see you know with um I I really have had a hard tr- time with how Sunny is being written as a hero and stuff like that. Instead of doing that angle, I'd rather like to see like an actual like um, you know Shakespearean Montague versus Capulet thing between like the Corinthos and the Baldwins because we already have that history there between them between like Scotty hating Sonny and and, and stuff. And then um, first of all, they need to fix the thing with Michael being okay with Sonny killing his dad and, and have him mad at him. And that creates a conflict between Sonny and Franco because Franco's the one that started that. And so then you have all this conflict from, you know, Scotty and Sonny and Sonny and Franco. And then bring in Serena Baldwin and pair her with Morgan. I could totally see that. I, I could totally see I mean, I'm a big fan of, um, A, if you are going to bring on new characters, and I think it has to be done very sparingly, especially on a canvas as crowded as this one, um, so, yeah. you, that they are characters who are tied to the show and tied to the past and, and have a history. Um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that, that for many people, when they brought over the One Life to Live, Live 3, it didn't work because they had no connection to this show. Uh, they, they, they were, you know, three characters from another show that just, they had no connection and suddenly they were eating up the screen and you're like, well, why do I care about these people? Whereas when you bring on somebody like a Serena, uh, Baldwin, you know, she has a connection. She's Scott's daughter. You know, she would be Franco's stepsister. Um, you automatically have connections and the Corinthos family is one of the few families on the canvas. Um, you know, GH is a show that doesn't actually have a lot of families on the canvas. It has, it, it reminds me a lot of the city in that the city used to have, uh, you know, the city decided it was going to be this revolutionary show that had a bunch of characters, but, but they weren't really a family. They sort of had these weird ties. And I guess that you have sort of weird little families on GH, but there's not like a, I don't know, I'd love to see the Webbers uh, or, or the Baldwins or one of the old time families become, or the Quartermains, of course become sort of a driving force on the show again. Yes, me too. Well, listen, thanks. I appreciate your call. Thank you. 
All right, we're moving on down the list here. 502, 502, what do you got for me? Hey, Richard, it's Sue Ellen. Hey, Sue Ellen, how are you? I am good. I really, I think I just can't take vacations. Every time I go on vacation, big stuff happens on the shows. I know. Every time I try and take a couple weeks off the radio show, this is what happens. So uh, yes, I, I, come I understand back, completely. Yeah, I come back Saturday morning and someone's telling me, hey, Ron got fired. It's like, what? Yep. But um, I did just binge watch the other night, um, the whole thing leading up to Luke's farewell. I have to agree with David. I was kind I was very much expect, expecting a more Luke-centered um, show, something like when he left back in the 80s where you had – what I would have liked to see is a lot of the little moments from last week tied into the one big show today. I think especially the way it was advertised, I think that would have worked really well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of things they should have done that, you know, they should have made it more centric to what they were what they were selling us. Right. I mean, this looked more like the show they did in the 80s, you know, when uh, Luke's final um, day in Port Charles, when he went around and he said goodbye to Aunt Ruby and Bobby, and he had his little moment in Spike's cab and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that... Yeah, that... a lot of people said this really didn't feel any different than when he, you know, every year, you know, we're used to Tony Geary disappearing for six months. He does it every year, and this feels... This was about as climactic as that. It just felt like he was going off, and you know, I'll be back in six months. It didn't feel. It didn't have the feel of a, of a big special, you know, goodbye tribute. But more importantly, what what would you want to see change moving forward? Uh, you know, if you, were, if you if if you were listening to the if if the new writers happened to be listening to the show and and were looking for feedback from people, what would you want to say to them? Oh boy. Well, I think. I'd like to see us get back to the hospital. That as uh, I loved it there for a while when Ron and Frank first came and you got more hospital characters, you had more doctors and nurses and you saw stuff going on in the lab and stuff. I'd like to see more of that. That's what I started watching. I mean, yeah, I came in for Luke and Laura. I, I just wrote a farewell thing to Luke on my Facebook page this afternoon. It's up on my notes, but um I'd liked, but I really got caught up in the hospital drama, you know, in the romances and everything. I agree. You know, and, and another thing that we have to give both Ron and Frank credit for here, and that I, I, I haven't seen most people mentioning or remembering, but it's worth remembering that they brought back the nurse's ball, one of the most beloved yes. traditions in general hospital, you know, in, in over the recent decades, and and they actually brought it. Brought that back, and and, and I hope you know, they that keep is something it. to be forever grateful for. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the the nurses' ball is something that viewers look forward to every year, and it was much missed every single year when it was supposed to roll around. People would talk about, oh, I wish the nurses' ball was back, and you know we've gotten it the last couple of years, and I really hope that that continues moving forward. Right, and I think I would also like to see more of the quarter mains. Uh, let's, uh, I'm sure Jimmy Lee and Charity have had a few kids. Let's bring them back. Maybe Celia had a, had a kid by Jimmy Lee before she split all of a sudden. You know, let's bring some of the wards back maybe. Or You know, I, I agree with you to a certain degree, but here's my problem. Um, if you suddenly introduce Celia and her brood, then you're going to have the exact same problem that the show already has, which is too many newbies. And yes, they're connected. You know, yes, they're quarter mains, but they're not. They're not like. 
it's still going to be newbies. And you're going to hear everyone who is currently a fan of the show saying, oh, great, now none of the people that I care about are being played. You know what I mean? And and that's why I think that the first thing I would do is I would spend the next six months sort of weeding the cast. And it's yeah, I do that too. No matter, who, no matter who you cut, no matter how much you think somebody doesn't have fans, they have fans. And no matter who you cut, people are going to be upset. But it's... You know, it's it's the fact that nobody ever wants to to cut people that leads to huge bloated casts like the one that General Hospital has right now, and and it makes it almost impossible to write a story for an entire canvas because there's just too many characters. Um, so I have no issue with bringing characters on, but I think first we need to get rid of some. You know, we oh, need to that, establish. Well, that, yeah, I, I think that, that's the first the thing we do. Show and establish. We need to get an establishment of what this show is. Here's here's one of the problems. General Hospital is a show. Now, now every soap opera is different. Every soap opera, you know, people like to say they're all yep. different. They're not. Every soap opera is different. And the current problem with General Hospital is it doesn't know what it is. Sometimes it's a campy melodrama. Sometimes it wants to play family serious beats. It wants to. It wants to play. You know, we're going to cry over this. But at the same time, it wants to play. We're going to rip rubber masks off and tell big adventure stories. And the the, the various it's got an identity don't crisis. Co- they don't coexist naturally. And so the show needs to figure out what it's going to be, what it's going to be, and move forward in that direction. And give viewers need to have a sense of what they're going to get when they tune in. You know, when I tune into the Bold and the Beautiful, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a, a show set in the fashion industry that. That is about you know this this particular family and there's going to be you know the people in the family are all going to intermarry way more than any family should and the camp is going to come from <laughs> B players and I know exactly what I'm going to get I don't know what I'm going to get from General Hospital because because characters are expected to be one thing one day and something completely different another day right and the other thing that I would do if I took over if I were head writer is I'd have a lot less happening off screen. Oh, I want to see the relationship building. I want to see the dates. I want to, I want to see when Nina and Rick met and decided, hey, getting married would be a terrific idea. Which I don't think that really was, but I, don't, I like no, gaslight no, storylines. But this came out of nowhere. It's okay to have it's okay to have certain things happen off screen. Like for example, I get the appeal of having Nick and Nina and Rick marry off screen because it becomes a surprise when you see it. What's not okay is um, if you have, if you tell us that a couple is a couple and we never see them, for example, Milo and Epiphany, we found out a while back that they are. We've never seen them on a date. We've seen them like in twice. Um, that's something that viewers would love to see play out. Oh, uh, I know. know Me it, among it, them. There are there are the occasional moments where something that's going to play off off screen makes sense because you want to catch the viewer by surprise. Although usually it works better if you then flash back to how it happened. But but you know it's something that should be used really really sparingly in my opinion. Yeah, exactly, and they use it way too often in GH land. Yeah, I agree. But that was mainly what I what I wanted. I I I think Ron did a wonderful thing in coming back and br- bringing the show out of, off the off the axe, off the chopping block. But I do think the last few months, maybe a year, I think I think maybe we need some new eyes. 
I I couldn't I couldn't uh, disagree with that a bit. I couldn't agree more. Uh, thanks for calling, son, and I'll see you around the Twitter machine. Two one eight two one eight. You're on the air. What do you got for me? Hi, Richard. This is Sharon. Hey, Sharon. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Um, I had a question for you. Basically, okay. I'm like many other people. I am haven't been really satisfied with the writing for quite some time, especially with the the character changes in a lot of the characters we're used to, and mm-hmm. they're suddenly acting 180 from what we've seen for years. And it's it's not only hard to accept, but it really dashes some of our hopes and dreams of this character. We know they're this way and we depend on that and that's what attracts us to them. And then all of a sudden they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like what I'd like to ask you is with the new writers coming on and being involved in the changing, there's definitely there has to be a change in order for us to move forward. Can you tell me what that process is with the writers? I mean, I know there are breakdown writers. I know there are other types of writers. But I don't know how they all fit in in the, you know, wheels in the cog or cogs in the wheel. I don't know how that all fits together. Can you explain that? I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, I mean, do you mean how does, well, what, how does the process what, what are made? But basically, I know I know Frank would come up with the ideas and the umbrellas and and the arcs and assign certain characters or storylines to different writers. What does the breakdown writer do versus another well, finishing writer? Basically, like basically, they the, the the head writer comes up with the main story, um, and he he usually works with. It's not like he just creates the story and tells his writers. They often have very big meetings. Um, they spend a lot of time on the phone because they're not all in the same place. They spend a lot of time um, talking about, like for example, when um, when they were trying to decide. Um, how to say, um, like, like, let's say when they were coming up with the Jake story, you know, they might come up with an idea, they toss it around, they tweak it, they say, no, nah, that's not going to work. Um, sometimes the network might get involved and say, no, you can't do that, although that doesn't happen as much now as it used to. Then generally um, the, the breakdown writers take – break it down day by day. And so like they will say, okay, um, here's the breakdown for the week. This is what has to happen on Monday. This is what has to happen on Tuesday. Then another writer will take the Monday breakdown and break that down into scenes as in, okay, and, and they don't, they, they might put some dialogue in, but they don't put all the dialogue in. They're just sort of like saying, okay, here's what this scene needs to accomplish, and here's what this scene needs to accomplish, and we need to make sure this is said. Then it goes to dialogue writers, and the dialogue writers actually take that and flesh it out. And then um, I assume that it all goes back to, you know, probably the, the, the main office, and it's read and tweaked and, and uh, before it's distributed and, and taped. So there's I – mean, and it's a little bit different on each show. All shows are – each show is a little bit different. You know, they don't all necessarily operate by the same um, by the same same uh, pattern. But that's basically how it works. Okay, are the new writers coming in? Are they local to LA, or are they in New York also? I I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I haven't spoken to them yet, so 
uh, I'm not really sure. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, they, they, you know, often writers are, you know, they might live in the middle of Wisconsin. It really doesn't matter because you can write from anywhere. And you can, in this day and age, you can telecommute, you can teleconference. Um, you know, the one person who, who, who sort of matters where they are is Frank, and, because Frank is on the set just about every day from, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. He is there and very hands-on. Okay. Do the writers, are they each assigned a certain character that they become familiar with? Do you think if they were, that might make the characters a little stronger or flesh them out a little well, better? How would, that work? Let's say, how would that work? Let's say you're assigned to Liz's dialogue and I'm assigned to Franco's dialogue, and we have a scene with Liz and Franco. Who, how, do you, how do you write that? Uh, and plus, you would have to have you would have to have your script would be broken up into about five hundred different pieces, and somebody would have to like cobble that all together. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't really work on a practical basis. Okay, no, that makes sense. I was just these are questions because I don't know how it works. No, that sure. I was curious about, but I appreciate that, and I'm sure you've got other people. So have a good evening. Oh, thanks, Sharon. I really appreciate your calling. I'll talk to you soon. You bet. All right, three, two, five, three, two, five. You're on the air. Well, hello, Richard. It's Patty. Hey, Patty. How are you? I'm not too bad. Hot down in Texas, but you know what can I say? Oh, I can only imagine. It's summertime in Texas, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't even imagine. Get me yeah. out of there. Yeah, it's only a hundred right now. Oh well, that's not total, too bad. <laughs> well, not too bad, but we don't have a high humidity, so that's good. Anyhow, <laughs> to General Hospital. Um, you know, I started watching General Hospital back in the late seventies through mid eighties. Then real life got in the way, so I wasn't As watching a lot of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we only had VCRs where you could tape one show. You know, if you're working yep. during the day, there was only one show, and it was usually Another World, because <laughs> I loved Another World. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came back when Ron brought on Billy Miller. Mm-hmm. Didn't know when he was going to start, so I guess it was about September, about a month before I started watching, and I was like, oh, my God, there's Mac. There's Felicia, there's Anna, there's Duke, there's all these people that I re- and they're the original actors, and you know it was just, I it was I was blown away. I have not. I know a lot of people have said in the last year, which is how long I've been watching, have said that the show has gone downhill. To me, I loved it. Because of my experience from before. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, and I've heard, you know, and I, I was the same way. I love, I love seeing like Mac, Felicia, you know, Anna, all that. Do you feel as if, like, I feel as if Mac and Felicia were sort of occasionally trotted out, but they weren't really given any story. You know, like no, Felicia they weren't, and, mayor, and that Felicia did disappoint me. Almost entirely off screen. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it was that did disappoint me. For mayor. And that did disappoint me, and you know, but you know, you got to take the good with the bad too. Definitely, definitely. As far as you know, I, I, 
think of it. And um, one of the things that had originally brought me to General Hospital was Luke. And then the Luke and Laura storyline. And then all the mob wars kind of drove me away. So I hope they don't go back to the mob wars. Um, I know many... (coughs) Excuse me. Um, As you said earlier, there was way too much hype for this final episode. And I know a lot of fans were disappointed by it. And a lot of fans also were saying today, why is Sonny there? Well, heck, for the last three weeks, they've talked about Tony Jerry's last episode was going to be with Sonny. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why people were upset about it because well, I at least I knew about, about it. I think what people were upset about was that, um, you know, the only people we saw him with in the final episode were Luke, were Sonny and Lulu. Yeah. You know, um, I think people wanted to see. First of all, I think people wanted to see flashbacks. I think you tune into something like this. You oh, definitely. To see but I also think you know it's it's I think. If you are someone who has not liked the Mob Wars, and if you are someone who feels like sometimes Sonny takes over the show, then you're going to look at it and be like, really? Luke is the person, the only person Luke's going to hang out with in this final episode is Sonny? You know what I mean? But I understood Um, it it because of his connection with Sonny. But he also has connections to, what about his sister? You know, like, what about Bobby? It would have been nice to have seen him with Bobby on his last day. Or Laura, you know, I mean, he gave her the letter. But I think it's just that people really expected to see much more than, you know, when when you put the scenes together, it was really only five minutes of, of, you know, Luke talking to Sonny and Luke talking to Lulu, and that was the big final thing. And, you know, that's another thing that I would really like to see changed is um, I feel like scenes are far too short. Look, I know that we are a country that has attention deficit disorder and that, you know, that, that people are terrified that if, if God forbid two people sit and have a five minute conversation, we'll flip, we'll flip channels. But I was watching, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the haves and have nots. I watch it all the time. And one of the things you will see on that show is they will have scenes go on for five, ten minutes and it's gripping, you know, because it's hard when you're trying to get into a scene and you keep cutting away to another scene, it's really hard to stay emotionally invested in it. You have to constantly exactly. keep coming back to that investment. Whereas, you know, if you have a good – there were there were episodes of The Edge of Night where they would only play two characters for the entire episode, or they would play just a courtroom scene for the entire episode because you're emotionally invested in it, and if you keep cutting away from that, then it's really hard as a viewer – to constantly be like yanked into something and then pushed back and then yanked into it and then pushed back. So I'd really like to see some, not not all the time, but like if, a, if, a, if an emotional scene deserves it, play the emotion and play that scene out as opposed to cutting away from it in 15 seconds. Oh, definitely. I do think, and it's just my personal opinion, I do think that Tony Jerry would have liked the way his last episode was. Because I don't think he was one for a big hoorah-rah type thing. And I think he would have, I think he liked it. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. 
I don't I think know. what he would have liked even better, I think he would have loved for Luke to die. He always wanted Luke to die. He, uh, oh, yeah. He really thought that he wanted Luke to go out in a hail of bullets. And honestly, I would have, I would have actually When he almost that, did that so, suicide thing Luke. Friday, I thought that's what they were going to do. <laughs> I was pretty sure they wouldn't let Luke commit suicide. You know, and, and and Ron told me that when they were when they were talking about like what Luke's you know final story and stuff should be, that the reason they did it was they the reason they did the um, the adventure and finding Lucky and bringing Jake home and all that was viewers had just sat through weeks and weeks, well months, a year of of the dark Luke story, and they needed. And, and and all of the writers kind of agreed. And this is one of those things we were talking about how shows are written earlier. Uh, this was something where the writers all sat around and, you know, they really put a lot of thought into how they were going to, what his final scenes and what his final story was going to be. And one of the things Ron said was that they, they believed, and I think this is true, that fans, having sat through a year of the darkness and the fluke, needed to see Luke go out a hero. They needed something yes. heroic for his final, you know, for his big final story. And I completely agree with that. I think, I think it's, I think it was important that, you know, that before we sent Luke off, we got to remember that, you know, that he was a hero, not just this guy who had these big psychological issues. Right. And Friday would have been his, the perfect episode for it being his last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they needed to do today's. I really don't feel like they did either. Um, I would, I would have to agree. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think there were a lot of people who felt the same way. Yeah, um, you were talking about Liz earlier. Okay. And you know, finding out you know the Jake reveal. I loved what you had to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> I would love it well, if all you. of a sudden she acted like all of a sudden she found out that Jake was really Jason, and so she's the one that reveals it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really do want to see her be the one to reveal it. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like that will help um, deal with the the situation where she's sort of painted into this weird corner by what by by her actions. And yes, no, her actions are no worse than anybody else's in town. But oh we yeah, think of Liz as a heroine. You know, we think of Liz as being one of the good girls, and so you sort of need to get her back on that track by having her be the one that steps forward and says, "Oh my God, I mm-hmm. can't do this to you. I can't keep you from your family." I can't do it anymore. And, and the right. interesting thing about that is, if Liz steps forward and tells him the truth, as opposed to him getting his memory back, just because he knows that Sam and Danny are his family doesn't mean he automatically goes back to them. You know, what if That's he right. looks at them and he tries to work things out with them and he's like, you know what, I still, it's, I know that that you are my family. I know the quarterbacks are my family, but you're all still strangers to me. I don't know any of you. Just because just because I suddenly know that we're connected doesn't mean that I'm going to rush back into you. There's so much potential there. Exactly. Or if Hayden, you know, comes back and and tells him, I want mm-hmm. Liz. Excuse me. I want Liz to be the one that you know tells him. But that's uh, just Patty, my opinion. One, and Patty, hold on, hold on one second here. Um, folks, sure. if you are listening live, if you're not listening um, over the phone or if you're not listening in the archive, uh, the show is going to be cutting off in about a minute. Mm. So I want to thank everybody who showed up. If you would like to continue with listening, you can call in and listen over the uh, phone line, which is uh, 347-378-1111. 
347-989-0685. It's funny, I didn't even have to give that number out tonight because people were already calling in, but it's 347-989-0685. Or you can listen later in the archive. I'm going to continue. I've got a few more calls here. We're going to go through and take them. Um, I've been trying to get the show off at an hour, but since this is kind of a special occasion, we're going to keep taking calls. So I'm only going to say one more thing. You, Sure. If I'm losing okay. you guys, thank you for coming, and I appreciate it. Otherwise, stay with us, and we'll continue the show. Go ahead, Patty. Okay, I only wanted to say one more thing. You were talking earlier also about um, getting rid of the back from the dead, getting rid of mm-hmm. that. Someone dies, they're yep, dead. Yep, I think that's such an overused plot device. Exactly, and I was so thrilled that Ken Corday, in his interview a few weeks ago, yes. said that once yes. somebody on days dies, they're dead. And I'm yeah, like, I thought thank was, you. I thought that was interesting because I'll be interested to see if that applies to everyone or if he only applies that to Jack. A lot of people thought that it was you know, really specifically talking about Jack Devereaux and Matthew Ashford. And, um, you know, and, and it does seem... It, it, it does seem odd that they've had no problem bringing characters back before, but when it comes to Jack, they're like, no, no, dead is dead. <laughs> right, but I don't think he was talking about Jack because he did say in the interview something, he alluded to the fact that you never know about Jack. But from yeah. September on, anybody that dies, they're dead. Yes, and, I, and I'm and i a big fan of that. Like I said, that's one of the things uh, that that for me... I I have long believed, and I know you've heard me say this before, that if you bring people back from the dead, you devalue death on soaps. Death on soaps is supposed to be something really big, really powerful, really emotional, like we got with Allie Forrester this week. And if 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 you were a bold and beautiful fan who believed, oh, it doesn't really matter, she'll be back from the dead in six months, her death would have no impact on you, you know. And that's sort of how death is on General Hospital uh, over the last three or four years. Yeah. Longer than that, really. I mean, people. How many times has you know Cassidy has come back? Oh, right, right. Or and, Stefano and DeMiro on days, so, you know. Exactly, and it really it takes away from any value of death. You know, you can't tell me that someone is dead. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Kristen fell out the window and she's dead. Uh huh. Sure. When I know that you know that there's every opportunity for her to come back, I. I, I am a big believer in, you know, that is something that should not happen, or if it does, should certainly be used very, very, very rarely. Right. you got more callers. I'm going to let you go. Love you bunches, and talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks, Patty. Okay, I'll Have a good soon. one, honey. Bye-bye. Oh, she's such a sweetheart. Uh, moving on down the list here, 773, you're on the air. Hi, Witcher. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is um Sean. Um, I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, hey, what's I up? heard about. Hey, well, with this whole general hospital thing, I mean, I've heard about Ron. You know, um, when Ron first, you know, joined um, General Hospital, I mean, I was very happy. You know, he brought you know the characters from One Life to Live after the show had been canceled. And, you know, I was, you know, as pleased as punch, you know, but, you know, over the last year, you know, a lot of the storylines that, you know, they had been doing, I mean, it just got hard to watch. Um, I started to tune back in about maybe three weeks ago, you know, live, you know, because I heard the ratings were low. And, and I, I don't want the, to why, show- Now, why did, 
Why did that make you tune back in? Like hearing that the radio. Why did that make you decide? to Because watch? I didn't. I didn't want the show to go off the air. Oh, good girl. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't want the show to go off the air. You know, because this, you know, was also a soap opera that I've been watching since I was four years old. Okay, that's so awesome. You know, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So, I mean, I am um, an ABC daytime fan, and I just didn't want to see the show disappear. Um, but I mean, Ron, I mean, he's been getting kicked, um, big time. Yeah. I mean, now I agree, um, with fans, you know, on a lot of things, you know, yeah, the storylines could have been different, but I mean, this man, you know, he's taken, you know, the soap opera, you know, that was supposed to be canceled and, you know, people start tuning back in, you know, so the first year, you know, he saved the show. Yep. I agree. So. You know, but now it's like, you know, with the new writers coming in, I don't know what to expect, you know, because I go on Twitter and it's like everyone, you know, they're on the one like to live characters and, you know, all the new characters and, you know, they're really good actors. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I really don't want to see them leave the show, you know, because if they left, you know, with some of the ones that we're we're left with, you know, would make me not want to tune in as well. Um, I think that's going to be one of the challenges is clearly whenever there's a regime change, whenever new writers come on board, you <coughs> see some people stay, some people go. Um, I think that will be one of the challenges is, bigger is, is, you know, both for the writers and for us as viewers is, you know, we, we may be in for a rough couple of months while we, while, while things settle in. And, you know, that's why it's important. You know, I always say I'm a forever fan. I'm like, I may hate the show, I may love the show, I may be indifferent to the show, but I will watch the shows. That's, yeah. you know, because because they're my friends <laughs> and there's only four left, and of course I'm going to watch them. And it'll be, I always love when a new writer comes on board because I love watching, um, I love seeing their vision take shape. Like, what is their vision for the show? Ideally, it's... You what you want is you want it not to be too jarring. You know you don't want it to be like a whole new show all of a sudden. Yeah. But at the same time, you want there to be significant changes. You know you obviously there were problems with you know whatever show you're looking at. You know whether it was The Young and the Restless when they when they moved to Chuck Pratt, whether it's Days of Our Lives with their new writers now with General Hospital, with Shelley Altman and Gene <laughs> Sinatra, whatever the. You, obviously, there are things that need to change to, to, you know, sort of people are unhappy, they're not watching, so you need to change some things. But at the same time, you know, how do you find that right mix of just enough change without making so much change that you piss off people who've been watching the show for a long time and stop watching, you know? That's a yeah, they job. did, because I, a, I a lot of things, yeah, a lot of things didn't make any sense. Um, one of the things that almost made me tune out um, when they had wrote Franco as you know, maybe he could quite possibly be Jason, you know, mm-hmm. like with the whole brain tumor thing. You know, mm-hmm. me, the kind of soaps, I, I, I like the anniversary episode, you know, um, with the drama, you know, mm-hmm. with the whole Luke thing, showing what happened to him. I wish that every single day could be like that. Ooh, that'd be tough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the action and everything. I mean, but I mean, I like the drama, like different things going on. You know, like you know, this person may be having a problem with their dad. You know, or you know, just 
problems, you know, kind of. I agree. You know, I'm but more, also I'm more, fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm more interested in sort of things that I can relate to on some level than I am. Yeah. Like, I don't really, I don't really love mob stories because <laughs> I'm not a, I don't know the mob. I'm not a, I don't know a mobster. I don't, and, and I'm yeah. not really into all that violence. I think in this day and age, we don't necessarily need to be showing, you know, to be quite, you know, we got people shooting people in theaters. We have violence all around us. I want some escape. Oh, that I is want, so true. I want, I want, I want an escape. I want romance. I want, you know, um, mel- I want melodrama, but I don't. Yeah. Again, everybody wants something different. There's a whole portion of the audience. There's a big portion of the audience that loves the mob stuff. They, they want more of that. So, and that's what. Yeah, makes I mean, it I, I like challenge. it. You know, but I also like romance. I just can't get mm-hmm. off into these one night stands that he's been doing. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know Alexis, you know this, you know this fifty-year-old woman, you know has to play the horny teenager all the time, you know mm-hmm. when she can't wait to snatch this guy's clothes off, or someone always has to be naked, you mm-hmm. know whether it's in the shower, you know they're not acting, they're just naked, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, what the hell is this person doing here, you know, like, you know what's going on? So you know it's it's little things like that. To turn me off with the show, you know, and no long-term love stories. Like, with uh-huh. every love story, is angst. You know, like, okay, this yeah, is going good even, today. There's no real happy couples right now, are there? No. No, not at all. I can't think of one. But Maxie and um, the guy that's Maxie always naked. Yeah, Max and Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I can't think of not one, you know. And then, you know, I sit up there, you know, just like with the whole Sam and Patrick thing. You know, Sam Trick, they have a lot of fans, you know. But, you know, you know, just her and Michael Easton, I mean, they just did it for me. To me, it just would have made more sense for her to just move on with him, then find out Jason is alive. You know, instead of putting this other guy, you know, like, you know, in the middle of it all, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, with Jason, you know, Thompson, he's a good actor. I, I, don't, I don't like him as Patrick, though. I, I just don't like the Patrick character, but doing that made me like him less. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you know, as soon as I get to their scenes, I have to fast forward. Well, and like it, I always say. And it's not like just real. It's yeah, like you're nev- no no show is ever gonna. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it does happen on occasion, but it's very rare that that uh, a viewer loves everything on a show. You know, you pick and choose what you like. You pick and choose the couples you like. You hate others. Uh, uh, <laughs> but but every couple, just like every couple has their haters, every couple also has folks who absolutely love them. You know, um, I yeah, love, and- I love I love Jason Thompson and Kelly Monaco together. I just feel like they haven't played the romance of it. You know, I feel like I feel like the romance has happened off screen. I've been told yeah. that they're a couple, and I've seen them a little bit. I've seen them in bed and stuff, but I haven't really, I haven't really spent enough time with to embrace them as a couple that I really love. And I want to because I love the idea of Sam and Patrick. The only, I mean, I really love the idea of Liz and Patrick, but but I like the idea of Sam and Patrick, and, and I was a supporter of theirs from even before they hooked, hooked them up. But I just feel okay. like the 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 the, the follow through has not really been there for me. They've made them boring. Well, they've yeah, made that, them non-existent. They really, they've yeah, more and boring. with other people than they have, you know, with each other. And that's sort of where my issue comes in. Yeah, and then I'm also a little disappointed over the whole Silas and Ava thing. 
you know, something that I thought would be a love story. And then she comes back as Denise DiMuccio, you know, and sleeps with Morgan. Yeah, I really thought they were going towards Silas and, and Ava. I loved Silas and Ava. I, I really liked the idea of that. I was really into it. I, and it seemed like when he saved her life and everything, I really felt like they were going to go in that direction. And then they just completely went away from it. And yeah, I, yeah, I was a little baffled by that. But again, you know, we I guess that's, you know, we don't write the show. Uh, what do we know? Uh, uh, all we know is what we like, what we don't like. Exactly. I mean, me, I tuned in. You know, because I just hate to see the very last soap on ABC Council. I agree. I'm right there with you. You know, you know, for me, you know, that would be not normal, you know, to not have that soap opera on, on ABC, you know, especially I after losing all my agree. children and one like to live, because those are the main three that I grew up with. Now, I have watched Days. I have watched Days, but I love Days, you know, when James Scott left and... Um, I forget the actress's name. Um, oh, she's very good. She plays Sammy. Yes, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but I've seen her on the Weight Loss Show. You mm-hmm. know, also, yeah. You know, but yeah, I haven't. You know, really tuned in. Um, since then, Bold and the Beautiful. I've been hearing a lot of things about that one. A lot of very good things. Um, but the only thing is, it, it will be kind of difficult for me to start tuning in when I don't know anything, you know, about any of the characters. It's actually a pretty easy show to get into just because uh, it has the smallest cast. It tends to tell sort of one, maybe two stories at a time. It's It, it, it would be much harder to jump into <laughs> a show like General Hospital or Days of Our Lives or even The Young and the Restless than Bold and the Beautiful because it's just sort of a very... It's a small canvas, uh, and it, it's it's pretty. It's actually really pretty easy to get into. And if you look, if you're looking for like you know drama and romance and stuff, that's really all they do over there. They're not really big on. They don't do like back from the dead and murder mysteries and stuff like that. They're really very very drama centric. That's one of the reasons I really love them. Okay, because I'm going to check them out because I've been hearing a lot of good things about them. I highly I said, recommend okay. it. And you know, you you know where I am on Twitter. If you need help uh, figuring things out, you just hit me up and uh, uh, and and I'll help you figure it out. Okay. All right. That'd be great. Okay, I'm going All to right. let you go on to the next caller. All right. You All take right, care. Thanks. On okay. You too. Okay. Bye bye. All right. We got two more callers left here on the line. Three four seven. Three four seven. You're on the air. Hi, Richard. It's Tasha. Hey, Tasha. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, about G.H. and Kalavati, I was okay with him when he first came on, and then he did the Kali Franco thing. That kind of turned my stomach. And then this Denise DeMuccio stuff, and I'm like, I'm not stupid. Please end this storyline because it is so bad. You know, let Kiki find out. I'm torn um, on that one. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Maura West. She's one of my my favorite actresses. I And I get what they were going for. They wanted to bring, you know, because they had written her into this corner where, where you know, on the one hand, Ava lived, but she couldn't come to town without without being sent back to jail. And so the only way to do it was to create, you know, for, for Ava to create this other character. Uh, I just don't know that. I, I don't know that I love this other character to be honest. You know, I'm I'm ready for the I'm ready for the black the bad black wig to go away. Uh and 
and for my beloved Ava to emerge from it and uh, and and sort of be humanized and be you know I'm, I'm again it's it sort of falls into that area of camp and I'm I I really feel like a little bit of camp goes a long way and this is this has sort of pushed my camp a, a little bit further than I like it. And yeah, because it's like it's making all the other characters look stupid. Because you're telling me Carly, Sunny, Carly, who sussed out Hayden was a fake, can't suss out Denise, Ava. Yeah, yeah, I you know, I, I I understand completely what you're saying. I mean, I mean, I do feel like they did a good job of establishing the various reasons that you know, like the DNA didn't quite match, and this, that, and the other thing. Like, like I think they did a good job of saying of having the various characters say, I don't believe it is Denise, and then being forced to sort of face the evidence that it was. Um, but I but I, I can see what you're saying. Okay. The sunny, um, the goodbye scene. First, he had his goodbye scene with Bobby when they were in the house and they were talking. And he had his, you know, that was his goodbye scene. It was supposed to be the same day, but it was on Thursday or Friday. It was the same day. He just left later that night. I mean, Sonny and um, Luke were, I guess, best buds like him and Robert. If Robert couldn't be there, it's going to be Sonny. But somebody pointed out, and I really agree with this, that it would have been a nice symmetry to have his goodbye scene be with Bobby since Bobby was the very person who brought him to town. You know, Bobby brought him to town when he first came on. So it it would have been a nice symmetry to have him. I get why they did it with Luke and Sonny. I mean, I, I had no issue with that. I just hadn't, I had an issue with, how very, very flat the entire episode felt as far as being a special episode saying goodbye to Luke. It just didn't, it didn't feel like, you know, it didn't feel like if I tuned in, if I was one of the people who tuned in because they bombarded me with advertisements saying be there for Luke's last day, I would have been really annoyed that, that this was what you were giving me. I have to say, I do. I loved his scenes with Laura Wright and him playing his mother. Oh, I, I, agree. Had, uh, I agree. My God, Laura they had great transcendent. Laura Wright I mean, was they, luminous. I couldn't believe, I mean, it was just, she was so soft and just, she was just the complete opposite of Carly. It was, it was stunning work. It was absolutely stunning work. I always liked her and him in scenes together. They should have played them more because yeah. it would have been fun. Yeah, and you could I tell agree. that they like acting together. So yep. it was, you know. The chairs and stuff when they hugged, it was like her saying goodbye to her coworker. I also um, thought I also thought the scenes today with Emmy Ryland's Lulu and Tony Geary. I thought those were really nice. I thought I thought there was some real emotion there. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, okay, so um, so I'm I'm sorry that Call of Duty got a thing, but you know, for me, I tuned out because of. Recently, because of this whole Jake from the back from the dead thing, I was like, why are they bringing on another child? They have four. What are they going to do with this child? And he kind of creeps me out in a way. <laughs> a lot of people, I've heard other people say that. I mean, I get it. You know, when I, when I talked to Ron about that and asked him, you know, sort of why they decided to bring Jake back from the dead, um, the reason they wanted to do it was they basically, they had constructed this, you know, let's go rescue Lucky thing. And as they were sitting, as the writers were all sitting around and they were talking about how the end of this story would be Luke rescuing Lucky, they said, yeah, and then what? That's it? Like, he goes and he rescues Lucky and there's no real payoff to that. And that was when they came up with the idea of, well, what if when he rescues Lucky, 
they also find out that Jake is alive because it gives it sort of more of an emotional heft. It's not just Luke goes off and rescues his son and they hug and woohoo, big deal. This gives, you know, this sort of gives it a bigger payoff and, and gives us future story to play off of. And I, I like that. I thought that was, you know, I'm a big, I'm a, I, I think bringing people back from the dead is a big no-no. But I think this really worked on a couple of levels because it does give us that next arc of story. It raises the question of, well, whose kidney did Jocelyn get? You know, like, like, like there's actual story that comes out of this. That, they better not kill Jocelyn play. off for this kid. I mean, because I could care less about Jake. They have no reason to kill her off. I mean, there's, no, they're not killing her off. Because I wouldn't, I care less about Jake because I'm like, I'm watching this kid, I'm like, wow, Elizabeth got a kid who starts fire and the kid who looks like he will kill you in your sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just standing there, I'm like, run, people, run. <laughs> he scares me. I'm sorry, he looked like he got an axe in his hand. But that's what caused me to turn out. I came back to, you know, I kind of fast forward those scenes. And I really want them to hurry up. Oh, you know, you and I both know you never really fully tune out. You always pay a little bit of attention. You might not be watching. You might be reading about it. But you always keep up. Yeah. I know you, Tasha. You always keep up. <laughs> I, I really want them to hurry up with this Jason reveal thing. And I have to say that of all the actresses, I like Billy Miller and Laura Wright the best together. I do like them. I think they have so much chemistry together. I really, really, really love them. I mean, I, you know, I hope that, you know, the writing tightens up, you know, we get Alexis, like the lady says, stop being the horny teenager, you know, and judgmental because she is with a man who's, even though he's out of the mob, he's still in the mob. You know? I know, I'd love to see Alexis. I mean, I don't have any problem with Alexis being, you know, a sexual woman. I want her to be a sexual woman, but I want her not to be a teenager. I would love to see them play Alexis and whether it's Julian or someone else or, you know, maybe play a, maybe play a triangle with Alexis, Paul, and Tracy, and, and, but not play them as, you know, like sort of catfighting and Harvey's, but two intelligent women, you know, play, play, play your, your intelligent women as intelligent women. Let them have brains. Let them have lives. Let them have careers. You know, there's, that's, that's a huge part of your audience that easily can relate to, whether it's Tracy or Alexis or Laura, these women, you know, who aren't 20. They're, 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 let them be smart women with, with careers and loves and, and full lives because that's, you know, that's something the audience can relate to, and not just the audience who's 50 years old, but young people can relate to that too. They, they don't want to see their parents on TV acting like 15-year-olds. No, no. Um, I also want to, um, you know... I I know the actress is trying, but I think it's time for them to send Kiki away and bring in um Scotty, one of Scotty's daughters, so that you have that sunny Scotty thing with Morgan and that daughter, more history behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I can Kiki. see that. And I mean, I don't know. That other... I, I don't know. I don't know that I want to bring in a new character right now because I really feel like we need to figure out like. Like I've been saying, you know, for the last little bit, I feel like we need to settle this canvas down. It's too big and unruly as it is. So I'm not sure that I want to bring anybody on right now. But, but uh, I, I do see that. For one. Um, well, you know, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. On why and not, I don't understand the sage hate. I kind of like sage. Yeah, I, I, I like her. I didn't like her for a while, but I like her now. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I actually like the story they're telling with her. I like her and Nick together. I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of an, uh, an interesting adult couple. I yeah, I have, I like them a lot. Although my, I, my, I my real couple on that crazy. show, my, 
my real couple on that show right now is Marissa and Noah. I love Marissa and Noah. I, it's, Noah has been wasted ever since they brought Robert Adamson onto the canvas, and they finally are giving him not only something to do, but they're playing him with, you know, as a character with sex appeal. He's a rich, young, sexy guy, and they're finally playing it. And my last question is, with Allie dead, are they bringing back Hope because they have Thomas? I know they're going to try to do the Caroline Ridge Thomas thing, and I'm like, oh, God. I don't, see, I don't I don't think she's coming back anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised if down the line they bring her back. But right now, I think they're I think they've got enough you know balls in the air with with Thomas Caroline Ridge that um, that I think that's what we're going to see right now. You know, Thomas Thomas is coming back and he's basically you know he wants to work for the company. He wants to, to design. He's going to be a little bit too big for his britches. But he's also I think he's also going to sort of set his sights on Caroline and say, you know what, I made a mistake. I want you back. You can be with you can be with you know that old guy or you can be with me. I'm hot and young. And I think that's I think that's. Uh, I think that's, you know, the direction that, that they're going to go here. Not that I think Ridge is, is old. I mean, I would I would very much love to be involved with, with, with Ridge and or Torsten Kay. But, uh, but from Thomas' <laughs> yeah. point of view, I think that's how Thomas looks at it. You know, you can, be, you can be with my dad or you can be with me. I'm going to be like, listen, pretty boy. Because <laughs> Torsten Kay is exactly. really rugged. <laughs> exactly. Rugged handsome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's ruggedly handsome. I don't understand that, but he is ruggedly handsome. He is. But I don't. I don't get it either. But he is. <laughs> I. You know. I'm gonna miss Allie and her craziness. I. Really, oh, I love Allie. I love Allie. I wanted them to play an Allie, Ivy, uh, Oliver triangle. I wanted like as Allie was starting to like you know be a little bit crazy and be a little bit you know sort of very judgmental and and repressed sexuality and all this. I wanted Oliver to start bonding with Allie and be, you know, because Allie's her best friend and they sort of start spending time together. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden Oliver's like, Oh, Allie, how you doing? You know, like I totally thought that would be a great triangle. I, you know, I, people are like, I also like that, you know, I understand everyone's like, you only Maya's father is having trouble with it. Everyone's except Maya. But it's like I explain what happened on the boat of the beautiful, and people were like, "Not in my neighborhood." So I was like, "I would like to see an opposing thing." I would like. Well, you also don't live. You also don't live and work in the fashion industry in L.A., where this would not really be a big deal, you know. Uh, But I mean, I do wish that there was a little more opposition to it. But I do. But I have to say, at the same time, I think that they have done. You know, as much as I might think that you know Rick's whole. Love has changed me into a nice guy, and and the fact that everybody loves them, and you know, blah blah blah. And there's no intolerance, and I, I have to say, despite that, I think they have done an amazing job with this story. I think I think they have done it. It is such a good story. I think they've done such a great job. I think Carla Mosley and Jacob Young have just have have risen to every challenge of this story, and and I'm actually really interested to see, you know, what they do next. Uh, as we build toward the wedding and any potential problems with the wedding, what? I hope the wedding. I hope the wedding doesn't happen. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you'll know. You'll. The, I mean, we're building toward the wedding now, so so you know that's 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 going to be, and there are going to be things that come up before the wedding. Um, so so it will be interesting to see. Uh, well, that's all I have for now. You know. All right. I hope. Uh, well. Carlos already finds something, but I hope GH shapes up. I, I, you know, I hope so on both counts as well. I really do. 
All right. Thanks for calling okay. us. I'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that. Oh, you know, I had another caller, and they, they went away, and that was Tasha, who is one of my, my original – she's one of my OGs. She's one of my original girls, uh, and she almost always ends up – just because of the time she calls, she always ends up cleaning that up. So appropriately enough, on tonight's extended show, she still managed – to be the person who called in and batted clean up. I want to thank everybody for listening, for calling in, for sharing. And and I want you to remember, you know, um, to be nice to each other on Twitter and to other people. Just because you're behind an anonymous account doesn't mean that, you know, and you're not using your real name, that doesn't mean you should be nasty to people. There's no, there's just no counting for that. I have no tolerance for um, people who, you know, stir up trouble in that manner. I just think it's I think it's lazy. I think it's I think it's crass. I just have no tolerance for it. Um there is a very good chance that if you tuned into Kroll Call on Friday night, this coming Friday night at six o'clock at Crollcall.com, the show hosted by Dan J. Kroll of Soap Central, I believe you might find me there on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. He and I are we're in the middle of contract negotiations right now, very tense contract negotiations as to whether or not I will actually be appearing. The new issue of Soaps and Depth is on stand now. It features Justin Hartley and Melissa Claire Egan, the Young and the Restlesses, uh, Adam and Chelsea on the cover. Lots of good stuff, including uh, an interview with Don Diamond, who I absolutely adore. I think he's one of the nicest guys in this business, um, and I can't remember who else is in it. I meant to bring a copy home with me and, and uh, so I could share some details with you, but lots of good stuff in it, as always. Uh, you can follow me. You can find me on on Twitter at Soaps and Depth ABC or Soaps and Depth CBS. You can also find my personal Twitter at How Rude Are You, and feel free to find me on Facebook. My Facebook is Facebook.com slash Trelfie, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. Man, do I wish I had come up and hadn't gotten stuck with that all those years ago when I created that account, and I thought that I was going to love the name Trelfie forever. Uh, thanks again, and we will have a show. The next time a show is deserving of. I've been trying to like do uh, not do it every week, but do it when we have interesting things and topics to discuss. So keep your ears open. Keep I'll, I'll make sure to notify everyone when we have our next show. Until then, remember, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Tune in tomorrow. <laughs>